The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 276 of the podcast. Unless you're joining live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. If you want to catch the show live, make sure you subscribe on one of those three platforms and turn on your notifications so that you know when the show is going live, like right now. And you can join in on the fun. Uh, today is Sunday, February 27th, for those keeping track. One day removed from UFC Fight Night 202 or UFC Vegas 49, depending on how you're keeping track, if you're keeping track, and if you aren't, you are now. Let me introduce my uh, guest co-host from Parts Unknown, somewhere up north. He's the main ingredient Great name for a lobster roll food truck, Mr. Arthur Vandalay. Art, how are you feeling on this Sunday evening, my friend? Bill, I feel phenomenal. All right, it's been it's been a rough week at work, you know, designing all this stuff, designing mansions. Bill, I just finished Tom Brady's retirement home. The designs on mm. that, the blueprints. But Bill, fill me in. Fill me in on your week. I need a damage report. Um, yeah, things are going pretty smoothly. Um, had a fun weekend. Um, took took the ladies to uh, a park, local park yesterday. We rented kayaks and kayaked out to a little uh, private beach in in Oldsmar. Um, so that was a good time. Uh, and then today dropped the kiddo off at my in-laws and, uh, had a little day lunch date with the wife in Tampa, went to a nice, uh, like kind of a modern Italian kind of spot, little, uh, little pizza, little margaritas. This is a good time. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose we should, uh, somewhat address uh, the, the global issues that are going on right now, Ukraine being invaded by Russia. Um, I by no means want to turn this into a political podcast or, or, or give you guys my unsolicited opinions on what's going on because these things go down and then all of a sudden everybody on social media and everywhere else turns into a global politics expert and start, uh, you know, giving their breakdowns and conspiracy theories and explanations. And I, uh, all I want to do is put out some positive vibes for the people of the Ukraine. Um, uh, you know, I hope they see this thing through, uh, with, with minimal damage and, and it gets sorted out amicably, um, before any large scale wars have to take place. Um, I know they're fighting their asses off over there. One of my first Muay Thai coaches uh, is from the Ukraine. He still owns a gym out there, uh, Bogdan Moroz. Um, if you want to, uh, if you want to Google a real badass, um, Google Bogdan. And if there are more people like him in the Ukraine, um, then then Russia should be worried about them fighting back because this guy is built different than any human being I've, I've met in my life. I think um k1 world champion and when he won the world championship he broke i think both of his feet and then knocked out the dude with his elbow so it was um and he tells the story so casually he's like i throw left kick i break my foot so i throw right kick i break that foot too so i throw elbow and knockout (laughs) such a bad motherfucker shout out to bogdan um and yeah man i just hope 
everyone over there is doing as well as possible and um and er everybody's able to get through this thing um so positive vibes if you guys can find uh, reputable sources that are raising money and you have the means to send some money over there. I, I know they're in need of some resources. So, you know, that sort of thing helps a lot more than, than yelling at people on the internet. That's just my two cents. So um, go and, and find yourself a, a reputable charity that's, that's raising money to, to get materials over there. I know my buddy Bogdan said that they're in need of uh, sleeping bags and, and things of that nature. So maybe latch on to a reputable charity. That's, that's putting those materials together for the people of the Ukraine. And, um, uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, you know, I'm not going to give you guys my, you know, political opinions or, or anything like that, because I, I'm not an expert in politics. I'm an expert in two things and that's fighting and drinking. And, uh, I, I try to stick to those things, but wanted to send those positive vibes out there. Um, to the good people of the Ukraine. Um, any any thoughts on this uh, situation here, Art? Yeah, Bill, you know, it's it's a terrible situation for, for any country to go through. So I'm really hoping <clears throat> that, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, that things are resolved quickly, you know, Bill. And, and you know me, um, I'm, uh, I, I, I don't enjoy confrontation bill so i really hope this is resolved as quickly and as amicably as possible with the least amount of collateral damage uh because from from the news reports things are looking pretty bad so i really hope that things improve sooner rather than later yeah yeah and i i just wish overall positivity like there's a lot of stuff out there that's not helping anything you know if this leader were different or that leader were different and it's like well this is the situation we're in what can you do to help move things forward. We don't need to think about, you know, how things would have been different under different leadership here or there. Um, you know, that's just noise. Uh, we, we need to figure out how to, how to settle this thing and, and, uh, you know, make it go smoothly. So, you know, to throw some money if you have the means to, to a charity and, or just, you know, send some positive vibes. If you know people with family in the Ukraine, reach out, make sure they're doing okay. All right. All that being said, Art, let's um let's talk about some fights. So obviously everybody in the MMA world, I, I didn't see anyone um anyone in any of my feeds that was rooting against uh Bobby uh, in this main event here against Islam Makashev. Um Bobby Green is just you know, he's as game as they come and and that's how you win the respect of uh of mma fans um you know and it, it it may have been a lot of bandwagon people that were supporting him but it's still support that a fighter like bobby green deserves um for putting in the work that he has over his career and um for stepping up and and fighting a guy that likely a lot of people said no to especially you know last minute it, it seemed like it seemed like it would have been a pretty easy fight to get if you wanted it um but they had to go down the list quite a ways to number 20. Uh, and it was Bobby Green who was just screaming two weeks ago about wanting to be in his first main event. And now he's done it. Um, and he was able to generate a lot of hype. So um, e even though it was a pretty one-sided loss, um, I, I think it will still do his career some good um, for, for stepping up. Like the UFC tends to not forget um, favors like this. So in all of this and, and situations with concerning Russia aside, Islam has become kind of the bad guy in this situation by doing nothing other than being a dominant fighter. Now, um, say what you want about him at, in his personal life. I know he's said some derogatory things about women and, um, you know, some some cultural um, misunderstandings that, that happened there. But I mean, the, the biggest criticism that people seem to use is that he's boring. Um, the guy has now finished four fights in a row. Um, so, 
And it, there's a lot of people trying to discredit him now, even saying like, well, he hasn't beaten a top five guy, so he really doesn't deserve the title shot. It's like, well, who else is he going to fight? There's nobody that wants to fight this guy unless there's, you know, something bigger on the line. This guy is a monster. He's a machine. He's like Khabib 2.0. He's, you know, maybe he's not, he, he hasn't fought the highest level of competition yet, but, um, you know, neither did Khabib. And the difference is Islam is finishing fights and finishing them impressively. Um, but uh, uh, give me your thoughts here on this main event, Art. Bill, listen, people can say all they want about Islam Makachev, whether it's, you know, him being a bad guy, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, he did to Bobby Green what everybody thought would happen to Bobby Green. Mm -hmm. All right? Yeah. He, he, listen, he he beat on him like a heavy bag. All right? Um, Bill, I think uh, that I would like to see um, Islam Makachev versus a Dustin Poirier, okay, before the title shot. But, hey, if the UFC wants to give him a title shot, I'm not going to say no. I mean, listen, it's not like people are getting in line to fight this guy. So, yeah, he hasn't fought a top five guy. You know why? Because the top five guys don't want to fight Islam Makachev. All right? They mm -hmm. know it's not going to be a good night for him. Yeah. And, Bill, before I go on, I just want to give a shout-out to Mark Fellows regarding the Ukraine-Russia uh, dilemma. He says, make beer, not war. And, Bill, I think that that is absolute poetry. Yeah, I um, I don't know how to make beer, but um, yeah, we'll Google I would, it. It'll be fine. Yeah, I I have heard it's messy, and I and I just cleaned my garage out, so I don't want to I don't want to dabble with that. But I don't want to make war either. So if I had to choose, um, I guess I would start you know buying some bags of hops or whatever I need. Um, I think what it comes down to art, and I've had this theory for a long time, and I'm biased as as someone with a wrestling background myself, but people are uncomfortable with dominant wrestlers. Um, the idea of being held down and being rendered helpless uh, is a scary thought to a lot of people. That's fighters and fans of fighting alike. Um, so while they say it's boring, you know, the, the, the highest grossing fighter of all time, I believe was George St. Pierre. And, he largely wrestled his opponents to the ground and held them there for 25 minutes. Um, now, some people would consider GSP a boring fighter, but most wouldn't. That was just his style. Um, I think because he had such a great personality to complement that style, uh, that helped him a lot. And Islam really just doesn't. Um, he's not a very personable guy. He's not good on the microphone. Uh, he's not providing any good sound bites, um, but people are really uncomfortable with the idea of of feeling helpless. Um, so sometimes they express that by saying this fighter is boring. What they're really saying is I would be terrified to be held down and be helpless against this person. So when someone says that a fighter is boring, what I'm hearing is that they're scared of this person. They would not want to be held down by them. Um, so then, you know, and everybody loves an underdog story. So the idea of Bobby Green coming in on short notice and knocking out Islam Makashev is like a fairy tale. But uh, life is not a fairy tale, Art, as you well know. Um, I'm sure you've had your uh, trials and tribulations in the, the world of architecture and, and other endeavors. So um, you know that the, the world is not about that happily ever after ending. Sometimes it's about a badass Dagestani smashing your face in um, and not, <laughs> and there's nothing you could do about it or him smashing your favorite fighter and there's nothing you could do about it. Um, so that's, I don't know, that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, Bill, and I think one of the issues that people take with Islam Makachev is, like you said, he's not really approachable. He just he doesn't really have a personality. You know, he's kind of just there to do what he's got to do and then leave. Mm -hmm. uh, but, Bill, to be honest with you, that's my favorite thing about this guy. 
Um, he reminds me of, and I, I don't mean for this to sound stereotypical because it's not. He just reminds me of Ivan Drago from Rocky Four. You know, just super dry, straight to the point. All right. And listen, he's there. He's there to hurt people. All right. Mm. Yeah. And it, it, just like the, the calling his style boring thing is like, man, that's a tough sell now. Like he almost ripped Dan Hooker's arm off. Uh, he just like jumped right into mount on Bobby Green and just punched his brains until the ref had to step in. Um, it, like the the dude is a beast. Uh, say what you will about him. If you want to tell me you don't like him, you know because of his stance on women or or um, you know politics or anything like that, I would sooner entertain those arguments than. He has a boring style. Um, I just don't like his style is effective. And um, the catch weight thing was uh, was kind of an indicator for me because um, here, obviously it was meant to benefit Bobby Green, but allowing Makashev to come in heavier is actually a benefit for him because being heavier is always going to um, is always going to benefit the grappler. Uh, more so than the boxer. Um, but, you know, Bobby Green did just cut weight a few weeks ago. He said he was somewhere up around 190 pounds. So 155 would have been too drastic of a cut to do that soon. Um, fair enough. Take the catch weight. But um, realize you're giving those five pounds to Makachev, and that's five more pounds that's going to be on top of you um, when, when shit hits the fan, so to speak. Um, yeah, I I don't know what else to say about this. I, I mean, it was impressive. You, you know, Makashev just just bowled right through Bobby Green, and a lot of people giving Bobby Green credit. You got to give Makashev credit because he was supposed to fight, you know, the number three guy for a title shot, and then here comes the number twenty guy uh, who just fought two weeks ago. If Bobby Green comes in here and beats Makashev, Makashev falls so far down the ladder, um, like he had way more to lose. Uh, in this one. And uh, I just want to address uh, this comment from Mark fellows here at the opening odds. Our Makachev is a minus four fifteen favorite over Charles Oliveira. Who's a plus three forty five underdog. And what are our thoughts on that? My initial thoughts are why are there odds against Charles Oliveira when he's booked to fight Justin Gaethje? Like, are these odds assuming that, it's a given that Oliveira is going to beat Justin Gaethje uh, because let's not forget that fight is happening. And as far as Makashev being the favorite, uh, yeah, I mean, his style does not bode well for Oliveira. Oliveira has got really much improved striking from when he came into the UFC. And obviously he's great off of his back, but um, has been submitted before himself. Um and it, it's just generally a bad matchup. And also, I, I believe Oliveira has been an underdog in his last three fights or so. Um, oh, Mark is letting us know that there are odds against Gaethje as well. Makachev is a minus 600 favorite. Cheese and rice. Oh, man. Poor Justin Gaethje. Nobody's giving him a shot against anybody, Bill. Mm. Well, I guess, um, you know, based on what Khabib was able to do to Gaethje and we don't have that data with Oliveira that would be the difference in the odds there in my estimation but um yeah I'm I mean you have to give Makashev the title shot like there's no there's no need to do the Dariush fight like he he pulled out he's gonna have to take another fight to get to the title um and then there's the, there's nobody else you know like there's just there's just not uh, unless the the only the only way I would say Makashev shouldn't get the title shot is if somebody stepped up right now and said, I want to fight this guy before he fights for the title. Mm. And I'm not a betting man, but I don't think anybody in the top 30 is going to be raising their hands for that job. It would be a smart move, though, if you're a guy like you know, in the bottom of the top 15 and you really want to bolster yourself and you really think you have a chance of being the best in the world, call this guy out right now and say, you don't fight the for the title until you fight me. 
Um, but I don't see that happening because I wouldn't do it. So, but then again, I'm not a UFC fighter either. Um, co-main event, middleweights, Wellington, Terman, uh, getting the arm bar over Misha Serkinov. Um, pretty textbook arm bar set up from guard. Um, this was a good fight though. It was very, it was very back and forth. You know, we saw some, some good striking, some good grappling. Um, uh, I, I thought Serkinov was getting the better of a lot of the exchanges. Um, and then he got Terman down and it looked like it was going to be, it was going to be bad news from there. Um, you know, Terman had Serkinov's back for a, a large part of the first round, but wasn't able to do anything with it. And then when, when Misha got on top, it feel like he was doing more damage. Uh, and it looked like it was going to be more of the same in that second round until Terman um, was able to pull that armbar out of nowhere. And that's that Hidalfo Vieta jiu-jitsu, I believe. Um, I think he's a – I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I believe he's a brown belt under Hidalfo. Um, what, what were your thoughts on this fight? Bill, this was an awesome fight, man. Even uh, before the finish, I mean, uh, Misha uh, Shurkinov, we saw some very nice trips, some very nice judo technique to get Terman to the ground. And, you know, he wasn't totally out of his element on the ground either. But um, in that second round, when uh, Shurkinov took Terman down, he went, he jumped right into his guard. You know, I just mm -hmm. did not respect uh, Terman's bottom game. And, man, the way he threw that up, uh, you know, threw his legs right up, um, had the elbow in a really bad spot and just cranked it for all he's worth. Uh, Serkinov tapped immediately. And if you missed this finish, definitely go back and watch it. I mean, Terman's armbar is unbelievably tight, man. And the core strength to just get his legs up and around um, the upper body of Shurkinov, uh, absolutely beautiful technique, man. All credit to Beef Wellington Terman. Um, it, Bill, if that's not his nickname, somebody needs to make it that. It's too perfect. Every time I hear Wellington Terman, I think of the kid uh, Thurman Merman from Bad Santa with <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> so every time I hear his name, that's what I think of but beef wellington is a good one too i just that that's not um it's not something that comes right to mind because i'm not too uh well versed in in british cuisine um if there is such a thing um so i don't know that i've ever even had beef wellington yeah i usually picture chef gordon ramsay just yelling at people whenever i think of beef wellington yeah, yeah, that's about right. Um, now the question is, what do you do with Misha Serkinov? Because here's a guy who, when he came into the UFC, was on a hot streak. You know, he had a four-fight win streak when he started out in the UFC, including wins over Nikita Krylov and Ion Kutalaba. Um, <clears throat> and he was finishing dudes. Then after he got knocked out by Volkan Ozdemir, it was kind of downhill from there, and he's only gotten two wins since then. And that was in 2017. But here's a guy who's super well-rounded, very, uh, very tough, very durable. But it's just like, you know, he changed weight classes and uh, has all these losses now. Um, like, what's what's the solution here, Art? What are, what are we going to do with Misha Serkinov? Yeah, I say fire him. Send him to Bellator. <laughs> You'd probably do pretty well over there. Um, well, yeah, he's, right. he's only won one of his last five fights. If he were in Bellator, it'd be like four and one. That's true. That's true. And he'd be at heavyweight. Yep. He's, thir he's 35, so he's almost reaching the point where he could be a Bellator heavyweight. Five, six more years, and uh, he'll be right in there. All right. Um, one of the most exciting fights on the card, Priscilla Cachoeira against Ji Yeon Kim. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with the decision, but what a finish to this fight where Cachoeira was, she was all bloodied up and, um, you know, she was swinging and missing a lot of the time. 
against Ji Yan Kim, except in that third round when she was able to close the dis- close the distance and start throwing those elbows from from in close. I'm so I'm so annoyed with Sure Dog right now because I, I keep adjusting the size of the screen and they keep throwing in pop up ads like that are different shapes based on the size of the fuck you sure dog <laughs> stop using you i've been i've been i've been sure dog's been my go-to for for the fight cards like since sure dog was the thing but um it's really distracting right now like they're they're showing ads for football there's no football right now so what are you doing you're wasting your ad money here anyway uh, Cashwera, once she got in close and started landing those elbows and just bloodied Ji Yan Kim up, um, I hate to say it was beautiful, but it was beautiful art. I mean, it was it was art in motion in the third round of this fight. Uh, the fact that she was so beat up that she every attack it seemed like she was falling short. She wasn't able to close the distance enough to land those big shots, and then all of a sudden she was in there with those elbows cutting her open. Um, it was super impressive. I thought Gian Kim had won the first two rounds. As but, did I, yeah. But at the same time, I could understand that the judges were looking at Gian Kim backing up a lot. And mm. even though she was making Cachoeira miss, that's something that a trained eye picks up on. And maybe not necessarily someone who has been like a boxing commission judge or whatever is not used to seeing people fight in the in four ounce gloves or whatever they're seeing cachoeira as the more aggressive fighter mm. and thinking like oh she's winning um mm-hmm. completely ignoring like the blood rings around her eyes like it looks like she was wearing war paint by the end of the fight but um yeah it, i mean she almost finished uh Gian kim in that third round i i just thought it was an impressive fight by both ladies i wouldn't mind if they ran this one back since the the decision was somewhat controversial, but uh, give me your thoughts, Art. Yeah, Bill, I'll be honest with you. I was very surprised that they gave this fight to Cachuera. I thought that at most it could have been a draw. You know, I could entertain the idea of a draw. I felt like, like the same as you, Gian Kim, I felt like she won the first two rounds. I would have given that round 10-8, maybe even 10-7. To Cachuera because Gian King Kim was a mess at the end of that third round. Uh, you know she she got pulverized, tenderized. All right. Mm-hmm. So you know I could I felt like it was a draw. I was very very surprised that they gave the win to Cachuera. But uh, you know listening to how you put it with Gian King Kim uh, backing up a little bit more. I guess I I could see why maybe it's not a robbery, but uh, but Bill, I'm with you 100, percent man. Uh, no matter what the decision was for this one, I would love to see these two run it back someday. Yeah, for sure. Like and and like I said, I could see what the judges potentially saw. I can't say that, however, for the Armin Petrosian and Gregory Rodriguez fight. I thought uh, Gregory Rodriguez won this fight, and. Even if the decision did go to Petrosian, one judge, I believe it was Tony Weeks, had it 30 to 27, which I thought was just absurd. Um, when this one was done, I I thought it, the decision was easily going to Rodriguez. And when they when they called that 30-27, I was like, oh, yeah, Rodriguez has this. And then they said it was Petrosian. And I was like, where did they get this from? Um I thought Rodriguez did more damage. I thought he was, you know, taking more chances. But, um, yeah, that that's not how I saw this one going down. What, what were your thoughts on this one, Art? Yeah, Petrosian versus Rodriguez. Another decision that absolutely shocked me. I, I could not believe that this man got his hand raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rodriguez won at least two rounds. Um you know, the third round I, I would probably give to Petrosian. That's when he kind of turned it up a little bit. But, Bill, the third round is not where you try to win the fight, okay? You try to win the fight progressively in each round. And I felt like that's what Rodriguez did. I felt like he won the first two rounds uh, pretty pretty decisively. Um, I, I don't know what the judges saw in this one. I think they got this one absolutely wrong. I felt like Rodriguez got robbed in this one. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad I wasn't the only one who saw it that way. Um, a fight I skipped over here, and it was an impressive win, and there were a few people talking about it, but at the same time, I feel like Armand Saryukian is not a name that's going to be on the tip of a lot of people's tongues, even coming off of this impressive victory over Joel Alvarez. He's just one of these guys that he's, he's a total beast. And he actually had a really close fight with Islam Makhachev. Um, but it, for whatever reason, I feel like he's just not memorable with um, the casual fans. And that's going to hurt him as he starts to climb the ladder because he starts to be a really tough fight that um, it's not a benefit if you're going to fight him to move up the ladder. Like you're not going to gain a whole lot of clout by beating this guy because he's not, he's not, you know, buzzworthy, but at the same time, one of the toughest lightweights on the planet, bar none. Um, give me your thoughts, Art. Yeah, Bill. Um, I'm just going to talk about the fight itself. Bill, this was a bloodbath, man. Um, early in the first round, Saryukin gets this uh, really good takedown, and he's just wailing on Joel Alvarez, right? And, um, you know, dropping some vicious elbows. He actually cut uh, Alvarez right in between the eyes, like in the mm-hmm. nose, but right in between the eyes. So the blood was going into Alvarez's eyes. Bill, this was a terrible stoppage from Chris Tanyoni. Bill, this was the first UFC fight that actually made me cringe because of just how much blood was coming out of Joel Alvarez, man. And it was getting all into his eyes. You could tell he could not see anything that was being thrown at him. This was mm-hmm. the first time. It, it was like watching watching an animal get slaughtered, all right? Um, this was the first UFC fight that made me say, "I." it was the first one that made me want to look away, you know? And I've mm. seen leg breaks and, and uh, you know, all, you know, uh, Tyron Woodley have his rib broken by Kobe Covington's sheer will, okay? Um, and this was, was uh, it was pretty gory, man. Um, I was not happy. I felt like Chris Agnoni, I, I feel like he did a bad job in between rounds. He should have had a doctor come in and check Joel Alvarez, which he did not. Um, and I felt like Joel Alvarez took a lot more damage than was, than was necessary in this fight. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty savage beating by Saryukian. Um, but at the same time as one, I, I didn't see a whole lot of people talking about after the fact, um, which is a problem because if you're on the same card in the same weight class as the guy that's about to fight for the title, um, you know, you got to sell yourself a little bit more somehow because what's, what's the motivation for anybody to want to fight you? You know, Uh, you're a killer. Um, There's a good chance they're going to get beat by you. Um, But if they do beat you, it doesn't boost them all that much. Because if you're if you're a UFC lightweight, and you're like I just beat Armand Saryukian. The average fan is going to be like, "Who?" Um, and that's that's the only issue I see with that guy. Um, but you know, the UFC could do their part and like throw him in a co-main event on a fight night or something, and and uh, you know show his highlight reel a little bit or something. Uh, but I don't see that happening. Uh, Ignacio Bahamondes uh, submits Zurong. In the third round, uh, what'd you think of this one, Art? Bill, things went zoo wrong, but they went zoo right for Ignacio Bahamondes. Um, you know, he he's a good striker, Bill, and um, you know, zoo wrong was was going for the takedowns and stuff. Bahamondes was in a few of them, and then when uh, Bahamondes did get taken down, he swept wrong um, easily. And you know that that uh that choke they're calling it a Bravo choke on Sherdog. It looked more like a modified um modified guillotine to me, but uh but you know I'm not an expert. But uh yeah, man, Bahamondes just went in there and took care of business. Business, really good fight from both of these guys. Um, and and Bill, nothing was more wrong than uh, Zhu Rong's hair. Um, except his uh shorts falling down in between whatever rounds that was, Bill. That didn't bother me as much as the hair. 
Maybe they gave him the wrong size shorts. Yeah, there's a there's very possible. Um. All right, moving on. Uh, let's see. Josiane Nunez, uh, unanimous decision over Ramona Pasqual. Anything on that? I got nothing for you, Bill. I unfortunately missed uh, most of the prelims. I did not realize what time this card started. Yeah, it's too early. It was 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. I had to go back and, and watch these, actually. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I was impressed with uh, Terrence McKinney. Usually, I, I think his last four fights have all been first-round knockouts, like within the first minute. Um, this was the first time in a while he's gone into the second minute of the first round, and he submits for Ras Um it was, it was a little clumsy how they wound up on the ground. Like it was a, not necessarily intentional, but once McKinney got on top, you could tell this dude has really solid top control. So now not only do you have to worry about this guy potentially knocking you out in the first minute, you have to worry about if it goes to the ground, he's got, um, you know, his, his transition game was a little bit sloppy. Uh, he got away with it because Ziam is more of a striker. Um, but still, even with the sloppy transitions, um, he was able to to control the fight really well, and he seems really strong on top. And so now you have a guy who's a knockout and a submission threat in the first round, and you don't even know, like, the guy could have an incredible gas tank. Like, you might have to worry about these things for the entire three- or five-round fight. We don't know. Um and, and that's what makes this guy dangerous right now. Terrence McKinney is a problem in this division. Um, I don't know if he called anybody out, but he should have, because this is a guy who um, in, in just a few fights in the UFC has already made a big splash. So he needs to kind of ride that wave a little bit. Um, Jonathan Martinez, unanimous decision over Alejandro Perez. Uh, Ramiz Brahimaj. Uh, submitted Michael Gilmore within the first two minutes also of the first round. Um, this dude is a really good wrestler in this welterweight division. Uh, he looked great. And then uh, Carlos Hernandez split decision over Victor Altamirano. Um, any kind of like encompassing thoughts? Did I convince you to go back and watch anything on these prelims here, Art? Yeah, for sure, Bill. This card overall, I think, flew under the radar, but this was a good card, man. Uh, you know, the I, I think we both watched uh, the same six fights uh, from when we were texting yesterday, and they were awesome. Uh, and it looks like the prelims did not disappoint either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely a good card. I think um, I think it got a lot more traction because of Bobby Green stepping in on last minute than it would have gotten if it was Makashev versus Dariush. Um, that's not really like a needle moving fight. Uh, I would have loved to see that fight. I would still love to see that fight, but um, it, it's not something that's going to get, you know, the average fan to, to change the channel or to get an ESPN plus subscription or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a good card. There were some great fights on here, some really good finishes um, there were some bloody mess fights. There were some uh, controversial decisions, which makes good talking points. And um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, so uh, again, I, I this is this is me pleading to any lightweight out there. Like, if you guys want to move up in the rankings, call out Islam Makachev now. Now's the time to do it. Be like, listen, you're not fighting for the title until you get through me. And, and and put that out there. Even if he shoots you down and says no, then at least you have that in your back pocket. Like, oh well, I called him out, and he didn't. You know, he didn't want to take the fight. Um, you know, it's a win-win. I think, especially if you're in like the lower top fifteen, like you need to make a little bit of noise. You know, call out Makashev. He's probably not going to fight you anyway. Just call him out. And it, if he does take the fight, then fight him. If you think you can legitimate, legitimately be one of the best in the world, uh, then prove it and get in there with this guy. Um, that's just that's just my two cents on the on the uh, on the matter. Anything else on this card, Art? 
I think we can put a bow on this one, Bill. Let's say hello to our friend of Vladimir Kraft joining the show. Cheers, my friend. Um, and let's move on to UFC 272. Uh, so this one is is a grudge match. Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. If you're listening to this show, you know the backstory here. You know these guys used to be training partners. They used to be roommates. Um, they used to be tight. They used to corner each other for fights. Um you know that we've all seen the clips of them like saying stuff like it's the two of us against the world and cheesy things like that. Um, now it's turned into like cheesy trash talk. Like Masvidal put out that video a few weeks ago that was supposed to expose Colby Covington, but it was basically just like a highlight reel of all of Colby Co Colby Covington's uh, <clears throat> Colby Covington's most cringy moments over the last two years, like since or three years, ever since he started, you know, doing this. Uh, I don't know. You don't even know what to call it. Stick character, wh whatever it is. So it was just a highlight reel of that. Um, it, it got real for me when I saw um, they were on Stephen A. Smith's show and there you could tell there's like a real hatred from, from Jorge. That's when I started to get really interested because before it was like, you know, Masvidal wasn't really saying much. You know, Colby Covington was talking all this trash about him and calling him Street Judas and all this stuff. And then Masvidal put out that video, and I was like, uh, I'm not, I'm not really feeling the, I'm not really feeling the rivalry here. Uh, but when I saw how mad Masvidal was getting um, when he was on the the interview call on Stephen A. Smith's show and and talking about how. Colby didn't pay one of his coaches one time. So Masvidal footed the bill and, and Colby never offered to pay him back and how he's such a piece of shit. I'm like, all right, now I see where this is personal. Like before it was just Masvidal was like, look at all this cringy stuff he's done. And we're like, yeah, this is, you know, we've seen all this. Um, but now he's starting to throw some information out there about why it's personal. Now I'm interested. Now I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. Um, I hope they do, you know, some kind of press conference or something um, in the next week or so to to build this thing up even more because I'm on board now, Art. I, I, I couldn't say that like two or three weeks ago, but now I'm I'm all in on this fight. What do you think? Yeah, Bill, I, I love it, man. Um, listen, both of these guys are major characters here, all right? This is like the immovable force i'm sorry the the immovable object meeting the unstoppable force right this is like bret hart versus versus uh, i'm sorry this is like hulk hogan versus andre the giant when it comes to just their personalities okay um you know colby covington he's developed this persona um over the last couple of years where he's like this wwe heel and jorge masvidal he's just so real that people like that, okay? Jorge Masvidal says what other people think, okay? Mm -hmm. Listen, that flying knee to Ben Askren, listen, we all have a co-worker we, we could do that to, all right? Super necessary. Exactly. Exactly, <laughs> right? Um, so, Bill, I love it. I'm loving the trash talk. Listen, there's no belt on the line. It doesn't even matter to me, all right? Put put uh, Masvidal's BMF title on the line if you want, it, you know? Give me something. But listen, just to give something to the maybe the not so hardcore fans. But Bill, the buildup for this is perfect, man. Two former best friends, right? This is like a WWE storyline, right? This is like uh uh Shawn Michaels versus uh who was that uh, the other half of the Rockers, Bill? Can't, uh, Marty Janetti. Yes, Marty Janetti. Th this is this is this is that's a better that. analogy than the Hulk Hogan one. I kind of lost you on that one. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that one. But Shawn Michaels <laughs> versus versus Marty Jannetty, right? The breakup of the Rockers. Um, Colby Covington has essentially kicked Jorge Masvidal through a glass window, right? That's kind of what got it started uh, was when they were on that uh, Brutus Beefcake's Barbershop show, all right? Mm -hmm. Th this is that same rivalry just, you know, in, in the UFC in a more modern age. But, dude, 
I love it. I love everything about it. I can't wait for Saturday. Yeah, it, it it's definitely going to be a fun one. Um, and and you know what what makes it more interesting is these guys know each other well. Like you know, mm-hmm. Masvidal knows all of Covington's best moves. Covington knows uh, Masvidal's. Um, you know, granted they both it evolved a little bit, but you know, at the age these two are at, it's not like they're learning a ton of new things that they're adding to their game. Like they, they're still going to come in with the same habits they had uh, when they've last sparred each other. So um, they both pretty much know what to expect. Um, And, and that makes it fun too, because they know who got the better of who and, and what situations in the gym. Um, And yet they're both still willing to take this fight. So that says something. Um, the, the the way I heard Chael Sonnen break it down, I mean, he you guys know that I'm a I, I mark out for Chael Sonnen's uh, gimmick and listen to his podcast regularly. But what he said was the the only difference is that when they were going with striking, you know, you're not going a hundred percent in the gym. So Masvidal was holding back, and when you're grappling, you are going a hundred percent. So if Colby was getting the better of the grappling, he was going a hundred percent. And if Jorge was getting the better of the striking, he wasn't even going a hundred percent. So that's going to be, um, that's going to be the X factor there. Um, yeah, I mean the, the pace of Colby Covington and the wrestling, uh, you would think that he he'd be able to, to hold Masvidal down for 25 minutes if he wants to, but Masvidal is it, is a lot smarter than people give him credit for. You know, he comes in with a game plan and um, he he's learned how to strategize later in his career, which has led him to a lot of success. And the, and the guy can crack. I believe he was still a 155 pounder the last time these two trained together. Um, and now it seems like he's really comfortable in that 170 pound frame. So um, yeah, I'm excited for this one, Art. I can't wait. Um, yeah, yeah, I think uh sorry to cut you off, Bill, but I don't you know that that um that flying knee that put down Ben Askren, don't expect to see that in this fight. This isn't gonna be that type of fight. Um, like you said, Bill, these guys know each other way too well. I'm really curious because Bill, this is gonna be this is going to be that fight that we talk about, right? We, we say that you the UFC and mixed martial arts, it's human chess. This is that fight. All right, this is two grandmasters who have been playing against each other for for a decade, and and this is going to be that game where the person who loses is going to be the person who makes the first mistake. Yeah, for sure. Um, co-main event: Javier dos Anjos, uh, former lightweight champion, uh, total legend of the sport, getting in there against uh, Rafael Faziv. Um. Fazeev is a guy, you know, some people think, you know, maybe a little bit too much hype just because he's had some flashy moves in the cage. And, mm. and you know, there's a handful of people who think he's a real deal. This is how we're going to find out. I mean, this is this is his toughest test uh, by far. Um, this is a fight that was supposed to headline a fight night a couple weeks ago. They moved it to pay-per-view. Um, th- this is a fun fight. This is interesting. This is this is going to be telling of a, a couple of things like can Dos Anjos still hang with the, with the elite uh, in the UFC and does Fazeev belong in the elite of the UFC? We're going to find out one of those two things. Maybe we'll find out the answer to both of those things. Um, but uh, what do you think about this co-main event or? Yeah, Bill, definitely a lot of interest. Uh, and Bill, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, Fazeev, maybe it's a little too much too soon um like you said he's got some he's had some flashy moves in the cage but that's only going to get you so far sir anthony mm-hmm. pettis had some flashy moves too and look at what Rafael dos angels did to him you know yeah. uh so you know dos angels has been here before uh you know he's he's had some injuries uh over the years uh so we'll see We'll see if those Anjos can still hang. I mean, he's getting up there in years. He's got to be in his mid to late 30s at this point. But, uh, Bill, I'm excited for this one. Yeah. And it, 
the, the thing with Dos Anjos is you're not going to be able to do anything in there that he's never seen before. Yeah. Like this is guy been there, done that. Um, he's been the champ. Um, you're not going to be able to throw him off. He, he does. And Mark just let us know that he's 37. So yeah, way over the hill, much like myself, but he could go to, he can move to heavyweight Bellator in uh, six or seven years. Um, yeah, he's a guy who wins fights with the basics. You know, he doesn't do anything flashy. He doesn't do anything complex. It's, you know, ones and twos and low kicks and and basic takedowns and and old school Brazilian jiu-jitsu top pressure and and that's it. But that's all he needs. Um, that gets the job done against, uh, you know, nine out of ten opponents. Uh, Edson Barbosa and Bryce Mitchell. So the undefeated Bryce Mitchell coming in there. Um, I've seen some some buzzes that this fight for whatever reason is personal for Barboza. I don't know the history there. Uh, Bryce Mitchell, I could see him rubbing people the wrong way. Um, this hearing clips of interviews he's done recently, the, the guy's got a screw loose or two. Um, he's like a big conspiracy theorist and and into some wacky stuff like that. Um, uh, there, there's no denying that he's got very legit uh, jujitsu skills, uh, very flashy um, submissions with those twisters and things. Uh, I believe he's hit. I believe he's hit two twisters. Or is is he the guy who keeps asking for the cameo shorts? Yeah, and I believe he got them. Um, you yeah, know, Bryce Mitchell is not a guy. Undefeated, five fights in the UFC. Uh, last time he fought was October of 2020, though, so it has been a while. And um, if you got an angry Edson Barbosa standing across uh, from you, that's uh, that's something to be concerned about. Um, I would be worried about that more than I would be researching any conspiracy theories personally. Um, Kevin Holland and, and Alex Cowboy Oliveira, this is just a fun fight. I'm glad to see Kevin Holland um, at welterweight. Um, you know, it's, it's respectable that he was willing to take fights at middleweight, but it's just, um, you know, the guys are just too big for him there. I mean, he was able to, uh, to take care of Jacques Ray, you know, at the end of his career. But, um, after seeing what Derek Brunson did to him, I don't need to see, uh, Kevin Holland at, at middleweight anymore. I think welterweight is a, is a good weight class for him. Maybe every now and then, if there's like a grudge match, like if him and, Chamayev want to get it on at middleweight, like fine. Um, but for the most part, uh, I think welterweight is the place for him. Um, this will be a, a tough test for him in Cowboy Oliveira. He's a guy who's good everywhere. Um, uh, you know, another grizzled veteran who's been there, done that, seen it all, but on a three fight losing streak. Uh, so give me your thoughts on this one, Art. Yeah, Bill, definitely going to be a tough test for Kevin Holland, man. Uh, just because he's going down in weight doesn't mean that uh, that it's going to be easy uh, for him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Cowboy Oliveira, re a really tough test at one uh, at uh, at 175 here. Uh, I'm sorry, 170. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think that's a that's a fun way to open up your welterweight career, mm. but uh, you know Kevin Holland, he's well rounded as well. He's a really tough, durable fighter. So this is going to be a really exciting fight. This this looks like a fun one. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's been a while since we've seen uh, Cowboy Oliveira as well. So this will be fun. Yeah, it has been. But you know, coming off of three losses, and he's got like twenty nine kids to feed, so he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be looking for some bonus cash in this one. So. Kevin Holland's going to have to be on top of his game. Um, Let's see. Uh, Jalen Turner, who we haven't seen in a while, getting in there with Jamie Malarkey. That's a fun fight. I'm just going to kind of uh, go over the rest of the card here, Art, and tell me what stands out to you. Um, Where was I? Uh, Marina Rodriguez and Zionan Yan. Uh, Nikolai Negamorano against Kennedy and Zechiku. Uh, that's, a, that's actually a really fun fight, too. Uh, yeah. Marina Moroz and Maria Agapova. Brian Kelleher against Umar Nurmagomedov. Um, Tim Elliott and Tagir 
Ulambekov, Devontae Smith and Ludovic Klein, Dustin Jacoby and Michael Olerzanchik. Um, it's actually a, a really fun card. Like these yeah. are all these are all great fights. I'm I'm looking at this Brian Kelleher Umar Nurmagomedov fight. That that should be a fun one. Brian Kelleher is is uh is a bad dude. And also the Nikolai Negamirano fight against uh, Kennedy and Zechiku. That should be a fun one too. But what's uh what's popping off the card to you here, Art? Bill, I like Marina Rodriguez versus Zhao Yan. That looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you could scroll down just a little bit, Bill, uh, I'm liking Devonte Smith versus Ludovic Klein as well. Uh, but Bill, I I gotta agree with you, man. This whole card looks really good. I want to watch all these fights, man. Yeah, this first fight, Dustin Jacoby and Michael Olajanchik. That's a fun fight. Like for you know the first fight of the night, and you have these two light heavyweight bangers coming out there. That's gonna be. That's going to be a great way to set the tone. And then um, Umar is the is the non-related Nurmagomedov, I believe. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. he is, I believe so. And he's the striker. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to load his record here. Is he is he more of a striker? No. Mostly decisions and submissions here. I know there's another Nurmagomedov who's a, who's more of a striker, but not no relation to Khabib. Am I right? Uh, I believe you're correct on that, uh, Bill. The Nurmagomedov you might be thinking of, I I forget if he fights in the PFL. Um, maybe a Bellator. Yeah, or Bellator. Um, but yeah, Bill. But- I'm also liking this Tim Elliott fight versus uh. Tagir uh, Ulenbekov, man. Um, Tim Elliott's a seasoned veteran, and Tagir Ulenbekov only has one loss on his record, so that's a, that's going to be a tough test for him too. I um, I'm going to go with the Jacoby Olajanchik fight as my sleeper pick. I think I feel like this is the one you should keep an eye on. Like Dustin Jacoby is a tough dude. Um, yeah, he had that split draw with Elon Kutilaba. Um, he's got a, a handful of knockouts in the UFC. And then Ola Zanchik, um, I, I don't think that dude's ever been in a boring fight. He's just he's just a fun guy to watch. Uh, I just want to pull up real quick what his uh, record looks like recently as I can – show off how blazingly fast my internet is. All right, two-fight win streak for Ola Janchik. It doesn't even make sense to me. Like, his only losses recently were to Jimmy Crude and Ovin St. Crude. No shame there. Um, no, absolutely not. And wow. then he put together two wins since then, coming off a TKO win uh, against Shamil Gamzatov in his last fight. I don't really understand why this is the first fight on the card, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll give this one a little bit of shine. I'm I'm saying don't miss just Dustin Jacoby and Michael Olajanchik. I think um, this is definitely the sleeper pick um, of this card. Well, Bill, for me, I think my sleeper pick, I got to give it to Kennedy and Zekchiku and uh, Nikolai uh, Negamaranu, which I think would have mm-hmm. been your sleeper pick if it wasn't for that opener. Um but yeah, yeah, man, this card is looking pretty stacked, Bill. I'm, I'm not. Uh, this is this is a good way to spend a Saturday night, I think. Yeah, I'm. I'm really. I'm really liking this Jalen Turner, Jamie Malarkey fight too. Now that I'm thinking about the fact that Jalen Turner is like six foot three, and now he's moved down to uh, lightweight. Did he? Did he go up to welterweight for a little while? I can't was, remember. Didn't he fly at? I, uh, I know he forty five for a bit. No. No, I so I know he fought Matt Frivola. That was at lightweight, but I feel like he moved up to welterweight for a little while and was too. Yeah, six foot three and one hundred fifty five pounds. My goodness, jeez, he he probably doesn't eat carbs like ever. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, he just had a straight like celery diet for the last three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> just wakes up in the morning, has a celery juice, and then like five stalks of celery for lunch. <laughs> and, like a <laughs> like a head of iceberg lettuce for dinner. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, this is this is a really fun pay-per-view card. I'm I'm actually really looking forward to this one now. For those curious as to what I've been sipping on as I'm yawning here at uh, 7:50 in the PM, uh, uh, one of my old uh, staples, Eagle Rare, which of course comes out of the Buffalo Trace Distillery, and um, normally something that I hoard in my bar and. Um, you know, I don't tap into very often because it's hard to come by around here. I usually have to stock up on a couple of bottles uh, when I go back up to New York. Just a a great solid bourbon. I hate even telling people about it because it's already hard to find. But um, 45% alcohol by volume. It's just got that classic Buffalo Trace um, mash bill flavor profile to it with a little bit of dark cherry, like some subtle vanilla on the back end, um, just a great solid, uh, 10 year single barrel bourbon. Um, and the reason this, this bourbon became so popular is because it, it's aged 10 years, it's single barrel. And, um, when it first came on the scene, you could get it for like under 30 bucks, uh, no longer the case in most States, but if you can find a bottle for under 30 bucks, then snatch it up. Um, and, and, you know, grab one for me too, and send it my way. Um, so cheers to all you, uh, Buffalo trace Eagle rare fans out there. Um, let's see anything else, uh, in the news or, or anything else on UFC 272 that you wanted to get into here, Art? No, I got nothing for you this week. Um, I think we covered all our bases. We went over, uh, What's going on in the world? Oh, actually, I do have something for you, Bill. Bill, you need to check out this documentary. I know I was telling you about it yesterday. It's called The Tinder Swindler. All right. Bill, you have to check it out. It's about this guy who <clears throat> essentially um, set up a fake Tinder profile and, you know, had these women going thinking that he had this lavish lifestyle when he was – and without spoiling anything, um, he he ends up getting these women into quite a bit of trouble. Uh, but Bill, just just watch it. Like the, the way this guy's mind works, this guy's an evil genius, Bill. Um, like I wish he would put that energy into um, into something positive. But man, this guy's like an evil genius. Like as as awful as I feel for for everybody that he hurt i also uh, was just surprised that the lengths that this guy was was willing to go and and like the stories he put together uh really fascinating uh fascinating story maybe i'll check it out um i had been watching um i think it's called backyard bar wars and it's hosted by uh the comedian chris Stefano. it's on hbo max um it's basically he goes to like people who are neighbors and they have kind of plain backyards and he gives them both $25,000 to build like an epic backyard bar. And he gives them each a jet. He's got these two general contractors. They're twins. I think their names are Anthony and Anton. Um, so each friend gets one contractor. Each friend gets 25 grand uh, worth of materials and um, they basically have to build an epic bar in their backyard and there has to be a theme. There has to be like a special kind of object that does something like dispenses alcohol in a cool way. Um, and it, to me, it's really cool because I like, um, you know, kind of DIY projects and, and figuring out ways to spruce up a bar and, um, if you're, I don't know if you're familiar with the comedian Chris Stefano, but he does a great job um, hosting this show as well. And, oh, and and each participant has to come up with a signature cocktail as well. 
Um, so it's just cool to see the way they transform people's backyards into like these awesome bars. And then they invite a bunch of friends over and the friends kind of vote on, um, whose backyard bar is better. And then the winner gets $10,000. So that's been, uh, that's been my go-to like kind of background noise while I'm like doing some work and unwinding at night. I've been going to that. I think it's called Backyard Bar Wars. I can look that up for you guys if you want, but uh, it's on HBO Max, and uh, it's a good little, good little show. What do you think, Art? Are you sold? Yeah, Bill. I'm I'm always into a good uh, do-it-yourself project. You know, Bill. I I usually uh, I usually pay somebody with uh, with all that because Bill, I don't know how to do everything. But, you know, any chance that I have to learn, I'll definitely check it out. That sounds like a really cool show. Yeah, I, I've been getting some cool ideas. I just have to make sure my wife never sees this show because then, you know, she's going to have me turn in our backyard into a pirate ship or like a fucking Jurassic Park or something. I mean, I have to like somehow build an animatronic dinosaur. I don't know. There's no yeah, there, there's no paper end. Paper clips and chewing gum. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. There's no end to the to the amount of uh, projects and, and renovations in my future. Um, yeah, so I guess that's that. Um, I will tell you guys that you can purchase uh, MMA on the Rocks merchandise. If you're not aware, through our friends at Team Reaper, it's reaper1.co is the website. Don't put that M in the URL. You can use the promo code MMARocks10, save yourself 10% on your entire order whether it be an mma on the rocks t-shirt hoodie or tank top or anything else on the website some training gear mma sparring gloves jiu-jitsu gi backpack uh t-shirt supporting a local fighter a ufc fighter a bellator fighter um they got all kinds of great stuff on there and you can use the promo code mma rocks 10 on anything on their website so go ahead and do that as always i'll put the links in the show notes um if you want to get a hold of me, you guys know how to do so. It's at MMA on the Rocks everywhere on social media. And if you guys want to get a hold of Art, you can't, because uh, you know he's he's a man of mystery. So uh, there's there's no way to get a hold of him other than right here on MMA on the Rocks. You can send me a message, and I can pass it along to him. But uh, you know, it's even hard for me to get in touch with this man because he's so busy with his architectural endeavors and, and everything else that he does. Um, so we're just so grateful that he takes the time out of his busy schedule to come chat uh, a little bit of violence with us here each week. And that's all we got. So until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>